This is Jordan Grace, and you're listening to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder James Boy came to give him life. The blackest wrestling podcast has come to kick all ass and drop it six feet if they're kicking trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in this on the regular, dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rule. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five Before you hit a talk, bob your head side to side It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning It's Rich, and I'm here with James It's time to listen to One Nation We got the power of the this is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com. Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day. And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio. Uh, this is Kenny Omega. We're listening to One Nation Radio. Check it out, guys. These guys know what's up. Big Kenny Omega fans. That's all it counts to me. Goodbye and good night. Hey. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of One Nation Radio. I'm James Bourne. Here with me, I have Rich Lotter. What's going on, man? Not much, man. Just uh, here ready to do another episode of One Nation Radio. Um, I'm actually going on vacation uh, the second half of this week, so I'm going to Boston. So going to Boston for vacation? I am. So, so uh, I'm assuming this is like your honeymoon situation, right? Or no? Uh, anniversary vacation. Anniversary vacation. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, a little different. Gotcha. Kind of just picked a spot out on the map, and I was like, I've never actually been to Boston as an adult. At least it's the but, well, it's the tail end of the summer, so it might still be good weather. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it'll actually be a little, little, you know, it'll be good enough for like a light jacket. So, um, yeah, want to check out some of the historical historical stuff, and you know, you know, t- take what? a trip. <laughs> 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 historical what? stuff, uh, like the revolution stuff. Like there's some of that. There's oh, oh, there's okay, there's okay. a lot of a lot okay. of other shit too. Okay. Honestly. Okay. Um, you talking my, about historical stuff? How are we talking about like you know the 1970s when they was out here riding over buses? <laughs> I mean, the, you know, we can we can pick out anywhere. You, you know, want, and see you, that. Yeah, you can. But like Boston is kind of particular for why they're so sensitive about being cut off for their particular racism in their city. They're the only ones that they're, they're only ones about what about what about what about we there's plenty of time to get to them. We talking about y'all right now, <laughs> and they never want to talk about them ever. Um. So my my brother actually lives in Providence, uh, which is he lives like 20 minutes south of Boston. So okay. I, I may see him as well up there but um yeah what's up with you man not too much man um trying to get my sleep life right but you know how that go with me so uh, you know all things come with uh with perfection and patience i guess i don't know we'll see how this goes but i'm trying to figure out a way to where um i can get up at a i can get up at a certain time without like just like being exhausted like for me it's either like I can sleep forever or I can not sleep for days. So it's like, it, you know, it's hard for me. It's hard for me. I just can't figure out how to be like, hey, we're going to block off these six to eight hours. And we're going to put them at this time and you're going to get your ass in bed and you're going to stay there and doze off and get your ass up in that in that time frame. It never works out for me that way. It's always like, oh, OK, I'm, I'm going to try to go to sleep at like midnight. 
Nope. Six hours later. And it was like, fuck, all right. Um, I guess I'll just, I guess I'll do this later. Maybe we'll see how this goes, goes tomorrow or tomorrow there's, night. There's always more wrestling to watch. It's so. not about wrestling. It's just, you know, I just can't. I have problems with sleeping and it's always been like that. But um, And it's always like this weird thing to where I feel like I get to a point to where I could do this. And then like, and then my body says, absolutely not. Absolutely not. In fact, nah, 48 hours, I'll see you. It, it, it's, 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 it just works out like that. Or sometimes it'll be like, you know, damn near 72 hours. But um, yeah, man, we'll, yeah. Uh, we'll see how this goes. So I, I should be back home next week in time for One Nation Radio. I fly in, I fly back home Sunday, so Monday night I should be good to go. Okay. Um, and um, so let's get right into the show. Um, it was kind of a light news week in wrestling this week, so uh, we did solicit a few questions. Uh, so we're gonna start with some rap stuff. So MJ does PR. He says hip hop pickums, and he has three uh, different groupings of cities. So. Uh, We've got Atlanta or Houston. Uh, it is Atlanta, and it is not particularly close. I have always kind of liked Houston. I know I liked Houston first more. Okay, yeah, like because I don't know. For me, it always felt like I always felt like they were doing hip hop. I recognize still, like because I saw DJs and um, you know their own kind of. Uh, thing like with like sitting sideways. And there are more the forefront with samples. In a yeah, way, it, it, it was it in was shops. more it was, it was more rap. I I recognize or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and Atlanta was just like all over the place, kind of like. Okay, so the thing with Atlanta, and I'm sure you peep this now is in retrospect is like it's so diverse that it doesn't matter. Like you don't know it could, it could be anything it, like mm-hmm. rap out of Atlanta could be literally anything. So, um, it could be young thug. It could be Gucci Mane. It could be, uh, childish Gambino, Donald Glover. Right. Right. And anything in between. Um, so the bur- the thing with that, I don't think gets um, enough credit for Atlanta rap is that so much of it came from planet rock. Mm-hmm. African about like I think um especially like the 80s DJs these dudes you know the cascade skating rinks like like in like in ATL and all the jokes ha ha but like that 80s skate skating music was a big influence and then from there um you had the DJs and then pretty much for the face of face of Atlanta rap um from a Nash perspective it was really nowhere on the map until Outkast um mm-hmm. And then you also, you know, if you want to throw in like just black music in general, like then you throw in like Jermaine Dupri and um, the LaFace stuff and TLC and the Brat or whatever, right? You can throw that all in as one big thing. And then, it, you know, and then more people got shots from different areas. And, you know, there's so much, there's so many acts in Atlanta that it's like um, eventually, you know, by the early 2000s, it was kind of a rap and they took over. Um, and, you know, a lot of the stuff like, like Lil Johnny Sad Boys is like incredible music that I wish like there was a, an analog for today, but I really don't think was, I think the closest thing you pretty had was like the Ray Shrimmer dude, uh, you know, do Sway Lee and, um, and the other guy. But, um, it's just, it's just not there in that way. Like the, like that whole crunk era is kind of, it's not, 
it's, it's not even it's not that like there's energy out there but it's not that kind of same energy of like we're in the club we would we would our me I'm with me and mines we are throwing up we are throwing up where we're from and a fight might break out in this bitch like yeah and if someone has to go to the trunk someone has to go to the trunk so be it but like we're going to we're all gonna be out we like we're gonna be out we about us and ours we don't really give a fuck about y'all's and if it comes down to it, you can be the cool with it or you could be or we could buck and it is what it is but um like when Lil john basically Lil john and dam and all that kind of stuff took over like as as pretty much more or less, I don't want to say is it coincides or it's, I think it's more for coincidence, but like I was outcast stops making albums together. Um, like it's a weird thing. Cause like, then you have uh TI, then you get Jeezy on the scene and like Jeezy is a person. that's like definitely a tipping point person. Like for me, like I first heard Jeezy like in 2004, I thought he was the worst rapper I've heard in my life. Like those beats are incredible, but that shit's awful. Like this is nursery mm-hmm. rhyme shit. And he, and then like, as I see how he, you know, he actually improved as a rapper. Like, by can't be a snowman. He's like, he's so much better than he was by uh, 2004 as far as technical <laughs> rapping ability. But, um, like, that was his own thing. And then, like, Gucci came, uh, got in, went in, came out, all that kind of stuff. And the Migos, like, there's so much stuff. There's just so much stuff to where it's like, if you are a Houston, if you like Houston, there's plenty of stuff, right? From Zero to Screwed Up Click to. Um, all, UGK. Scarface, UGK, which is Port Arthur, but we we include that or whatever else. Let's say we'll say East Texas, right? Hey, Lil Flip, F- yes, Flip as well. A uh, Chameleonaire, all of them, Flip right? Sw- you know, Switch House, Wild House, all that, right? Paul Wall and Chameleonaire as a group, yes, yeah. Um, I forgot what he, uh, I forgot Mike Jones. <laughs> so, like, they had that scene, and it was like. It's pretty much like the 2004 through 2007 ish, six ish, and like it was incredible. It was incredible. It was fun, right. and like you mentioned, like the elephants that the elements that are like so um, more recognizable for for rap with the DJ at the forefront with the vocal chops and the screwed up uh, vocal chops and the samples or whatever else. It was there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it just oh, for yeah. some reason it, it, it just didn't. It, it turned into a, a, a bit of a fad nationally as opposed to like, I don't, you know, I don't think there's any reason why Miami like became the sustainable, uh, like regional, re- like Southern region as opposed to, uh, uh, Texas. I just don't like, I think, you know, they had so many good rappers. They had so many good rappers like, uh, Michael Watts and like, uh, the carnival boys. Like they had some raw uh, producers too. Like it just didn't work. And then like, you know, you, you kind of like can fast forward to Travis Scott almost. Yeah, Travis but, Scott, Meg, but um, yeah, Meg as well. Um, yeah, it, I don't it, know. I, I always just like it, it, I listened to a really good podcast about DJ Screw not too long ago, mm-hmm. and it was it it like I like Houston more just because it's a direct line on more what and what is in line with my sensibilities. Like around mm-hmm. the time Atlanta was like going crazy, like you said, like that 04 and all that. Like no samples, what, LeJohn basically like right, I remember just yelling, saying, I remember like, it was noise. I remember, he, I remember one stuff he was like, You're like he like he is more or less like not what's the word for producing uh he's basically like putting out like a lot of similar stuff. Like you know what a LeJohn beat sounds yeah. like at the time. Yeah, so I get it. Yeah. And then you had you know, you also had people that were similar like that, like um freaking <laughs> uh what's his name? Um Zaytoven. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Zaytoven had some of the worst sounding drums that people still listen to because it was Gucci. It was just, it was, yeah. I, 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 we was wilding. They, or not yeah. we. They was wilding. That's true. <laughs> but like, you know, like I just think like just there's so much firepower of so many different acts, and it's almost overwhelming to even to pick Houston. Like if you pick Houston, it's literally like you're making the choice to like I just like these guys more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, the freestyle king. Lil Flip, you know, uh, I, I used to enjoy seeing Lil Flip come in the booth uh, on Rap City because I'm like, man, like, like who's going to come out here and really rap like that? But then, mm-hmm. like, you know, um, you start going through all, all the old, t- old YouTube videos, like T.I.'s getting in the booth, killing it. Wayne's getting there, killing it. Uh, I know Wayne's like New Orleans, obviously. He's like the cutoff point, ironically, between these uh, two cities. Well, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially um, after Katrina when like half, you know, like pe- uh, you know, people evacuated Houston and Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. I, like there's a there there was a one particular one. It was Lil Flip in the early days. He was in there with the Yin Yang Twins, but like they was just kind of in the back or whatever, and they fucked around in the beginning. But he was rapping on the clips um, when the last time you heard it like this, and I was okay. like, Nah, bro, Lil Flip, nice, bro. Like I, I used to love Lil Flip. When Flip I was rap. younger. Flip can rap. It just you know. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't know what he really had as far as support for like the following albums, and then like the Ti thing. And, yeah, down with the king. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so we got some, we got some more cities okay. here. So I don't, I don't want to take up all the time, but yeah, it is a uh, interesting uh, combo. But uh, he says Brooklyn or Queens. Oh shit! Um, yeah, man, I, look, I feel like I feel like I'm. You know, I'm biased, so I'm gonna have to say I'm gonna have to say Brooklyn. Like two, like two of my three favorite rappers of all time are from Brooklyn, so I can't. Same, same, yeah. and then Fab. Like <laughs> you gonna do it like that? And then that guy, that other you fucking know, guy, and and then Big Daddy Kane, and then like uh, you know, all your modern guys like Pop Smoke's from Brooklyn. Um, they uh, they they've just always had. Lil Kim's from Brooklyn. They, they've had lots of people from Brooklyn. And Queens on the other side is like, you know. Uh, Nicki Minaj, Foxy Brown, 50 Cent, LL Cool J, Nas. Nas. Like, yeah, it's. There's a lot to choose from there. there and then, like, the old era is like, you know, I believe, like, the Juice Crew and all those folks. And, uh, but KRS, like, you know, it's like the bridge is over. And so, you know. <laughs> You know what, what? What was they gonna do with that? You know, um, but yeah, Brooklyn is just too, um, too much. Like, like, like Nas is great. Don't get it wrong. Where's Lloyd? From, where's Where's Banks from? Banks from Queens. So Buster Rhymes from Queens too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, man. There's they like this is a tough one. I have to actually like just off the top of my head. I can't even do it. Like, cause it will take so long to have to remember like two hundred yeah. different people to just, just come out to be like write it all out and be like okay. Or whatever else, like, that's, a, that's a good one. I have to, I have to sit down and think. Now I'm sure there's some like um, New Yorkers that are like screaming at me or whatever else, and I'm just like, hey man, like I, I listen to rap around all the regions. Like I'm not, I, I, I didn't think your your uh, I was gonna say your wrestling like is Vince McMahon, but like I didn't think your your rap was like the end all be all. It's just y'all had a lot of it out at the same time because location, location, location. So you got most Def and Tali Quali also in Brooklyn. Yep. Uh, MC Light of Brooklyn. Yep. Uh, a- AZ, Bobby Shmurda, yep. ODB, um, and all them Staten Island dudes on their own island over there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mano, Uncle Murda. Not really a fan of Uncle Murda personally. Saigon's from Brooklyn. Didn't know. That's right. No, I. Yeah, yeah, he is. 
He is. Yep. He's from he's from uh, Brownsville. Yeah, rappers from Queens. I just want to take a quick glance over uh, Cool G Rap also um, from Queens. You have someone like <laughs> where is uh I, I need to know where Chuck D is from. That's that's why. That's I a know. good question. I I never knew that. I will figure that out. Huh. Chuck D. Chuck D. He's from Jersey. What? <laughs> <laughs> he's from Flushing, New York. So it's okay, a little so different. That's okay. basically Queens. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I don't know. I'll still take Brooklyn. I, I need. Uh, we might need to go back and do this one. Uh, like come back next week when it exists. But I, I just bias. I'll take Brooklyn because you know Jay Z and Biggie. So I'll just take. So L A. or the Bay. L A. or the Bay. What are we including in L A. I mean, are, LA is like. like are those, we extending out to Long Beach? Yes, like yeah, I yes. Okay, well then Absolutely. I will be then I will be taking LA. I'm taking LA also. Um, Kendrick Lamar, The Game, Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, NWA, Ice Cube, in there. Um, lots of other. You mentioned people. the game. Yes, yes. I will yeah. always make sure the game is not forgotten. Um, um yeah, man, I. It was deep, bro. Like that whole scene was like so, you know, dominant. I mean, wait, so wait, 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 wait. Gotta ask when you add when you're saying the bay, are you in, are you including Tupac? Yes, I'm giving two. I'm giving Tupac to the bay primarily. Would you because also give? Would you also give them the? We also give them to the Baltimore. No. Okay. No. So you know because, he for, you know he for, you know because well, his his actual career started in um the bay yeah so and going, like okay and, and he has like no like L A ties and literally until the last album that he made while he was alive yeah so, because they because they paid his bill right so yeah. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and, and give the Bay Area that all right um, so so that would be that would be Pog, that'd be too short that'd be E forty we're gonna include Vallejo um. Mac yeah. Dre, Mr. Yeah. Fab, Keep the Sneak, Spice One, Rapping for Tay, Hammer. Yeah, Hammer. Um, I, but I don't know it, you know, at this Wap point. Wap Dad 4000. That's, yes. Wap Dad 4000, yes. <laughs> yes. Actually, it was funny because I actually saw him um, a couple months ago. Like, he was hanging out with Kaylani because, you know, with Kay- and he put, he had uh, put the do-rag on Kaylani's baby's head. I was fucking howling. <laughs> And how could I forget the, the best of them all? Don't say Jeezy. L- Lil B. God damn it. <laughs> I'm going to take LA. The, the best part was I said Jeezy to stop you from the foolishness. And you you trumped Jeezy with, with, with Lil B. And like Jeezy not even like a bad rapper, but it was like, don't mention no white rappers. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> Can't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> Can't do it. Like the most, the most we open up for this shit is uh, is uh Paul Wall. Like for example, we right. just do, like okay, right. so where BC boys, where what, what borough are they from? I forgot. They are. That is a good question. I want to say Brooklyn. Same but here, they, right? But, but we didn't, not right? Be. But we didn't mention it at all. Like they might be from like, well, I don't know when Red Hook got gentrified, so I can't um. Hmm. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Park Slope. I'm not thinking of Red Hook. I'm thinking of Park Slope. Uh, 
Yeah, so you, you have to tell me. They were... <laughs> it's that random, just New York City. <laughs> it just sounds pretty, I mean, maybe all three of them from different places. Yeah. Who knows where... Or yeah, who knows, gonna, man? Uh, scoop like, them up. Who knows? Okay, what? Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. Yeah, it says from New York City. All right. I, I'm watching be Manhattan. They, they, they. Yeah, they was just hanging out. Yeah, why not? Unbelievable. But uh, yeah, Paul Wall, like he, he gets to slide in. You know, I, I don't know if he gets to slide in, but we just included him. I, I guess you know, I you know. I don't know about I don't you know because then slide sounds like we giving him like the the, the the picnic thing, and I'm like I, I ain't doing that. <laughs> like, hey, Paul Wall was like sliding on them beats. Yes. The people's champ. Yes. You know, rolled up like, with the Intercontinental title on you, boys. Yes. I want to say uh, a couple weeks ago when Nikki was in her situation, uh, he had tweeted that Nikki got in there going nuts. I howled. Yes. I howled. All right, man. Um, so our next question comes from uh, Sam from uh, Wrestling Headlines. Uh, also, soon to be so suplex. Uh, he said, given that we are up to two years of AW Dynamite, what has been your favorite AW story slash feud? Favorite AW story slash feud. Oh man. Um That's tough. Like I'm kind of stuck between like how much I loved the Moxley Jericho television and um more or less like the the young bucks in or the split of the like hangman versus the elite more or less mm-hmm. um like basically from or you could say like 2020 that that part of it like not even going to like him moping for the last eight or most of the year to be honest with you so um there's been some good stuff um I guess I'll go I guess I'll go with the elite stuff. I guess I'll go with that. Um I liked the the lead up to Omega and Moxley. I thought it was it was awesome. It, it was a lesson on how to heat someone up in a heartbeat. It was it was funny to see like um you know, Kenny Omega is quote unquote hanging out on national television for a year, right? And then snap his fingers and then like He's cutting promos and then he's heat up in the off and wins the belt. Um, I thought that was awesome. And then rolling into um, the matches where uh, Kenta came in and then the uh, the exploding barbed wire death match, like the whole Megan Moxley program was probably one of my favorites. Um, I liked Cody's TNT title run a lot. Um, I thought it was one of the more important things obviously the company's ever done because it really helped establish uh the next championship they introduced um i also uh have liked the the formation of the super elite like you know and bringing in callus and uh the bucks turning and i i thought they've had a very awesome title reign and I think, you know, that blends in with Hangman versus the Elite. That's really the story of the promotion in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think we should mention that um, Jericho and Cody was great until they did the goofy thing. MJF and Cody was great until the match. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I don't know, man. I don't know what happened. I don't know. Like, um, but yeah, they, there's been a lot of really good television. Um, Kingston and Moxley was great television. Yeah, they were they were cutting like promos where it was like the last person that had the mic was going to win. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Um, I mean, Bro- Brody and Cody was great. Um, yeah. for the time it lasted, Darby and Cody was great. Um, yeah. I really like Inner Circle. I like really like Inner Circle versus um the Pinnacle. Um, the matches, they were good. They were good at the past. Like, I feel like the television was better than the matches, but, um, still really good television. Um, yeah, there was a lot of really good stuff. Uh, trying to think. Um, I think they also did a great job with, damn, who was it? Um, slips my mind at the moment if it comes back to me i will <laughs> come back with it all right but um yeah man we've got um some some topics here um so aw had two shows last week they had a pretty well received show on wednesday friday uh had the great brian and nick jackson match um so i guess we can start with that brian and nick jackson so like i've always wanted to see Nick Jackson versus Brian. Like, I don't know why, randomly. Um, when Brian came into promotion, like, the first guy, like, he actually put hands on was Nick Jackson. They have a history from PWG. I just thought it would be, like, a neat match or whatever. Um, I thought it would be, like, the match they had, uh, it was good, but I thought it would be better. This was just, like, an exhibition and, like, Brian Nielsen just kicking ass, like, that's that's pretty much what it is. So, like, I thought they could have done a more spectacular match, but maybe it wasn't about that. Yeah, um, <clears throat> it was a very good match. I'd probably give it in the high threes, but, um, yeah, it wasn't the match I was spending. I was spending, you know, especially after I think you had sent, which is, you know, something I always take with a grain of salt whenever people talk about how great some matches as taped in AEW because, like, there have been some times where they've been absolutely right, and there have been some times where they've been absolutely wrong. Um more times they're right than wrong, though. That should be noted. Uh, but um, I thought the match was very good. I thought it, I told thought that Daniel Bryan looks great, and I thought Nick Jackson. Um, I don't know. Um, he missed a couple of sh- strikes or whatever else. Actually, they both did. Like, and I think that kind of held it back. Like, I feel like if they had, were able to stick it in there, brother, um, and connect it more times, and now we're talking about a, we're, we're, like the way the match is laid out, we're talking about a better match. It's the execution actually betrayed them, which is the weird thing because it's Daniel Bryan and Nick Jackson. Um, but yeah, like there's definitely a better match in them someday if we ever get it. I don't know. I we might get like one more match between them ever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, so. If that's what it is, like I'll take it. Like it's cool. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, I th- I think Brian is um the, his two matches in AEW. He's like, this is not the same wrestler that's been in WWE. This is somebody fighting with like much more like passion and heart. And, he's not like, an underdog. Thank you. Like and and it's 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 refreshing. And before people like start trying to clip this and be like, he wasn't an underdog at WrestleMania 35. I'm like, all right, let's do the percentage on his career, please. Um, 
like it's refreshing to see him wrestling like as like hey i'm the best which like that's what it kind of was when he heated up in wwe and they didn't ever like portray it like that um they didn't but the thing is I don't know if this is by design or not, or just total ask because most of the great things that happen in WWE are by like either just negligence and incompetence that led to like a fan outrage that sparks them in a good creative, or um, they they just don't know. Like Daniel Bryan got squashed, and people were furious because they wanted him to have a great match with Sheamus uh, mm-hmm. because they could have a great match together. And then the next pay per view, they had a two, a two out of three falls match that was great. And then that sends Brian on the path for the, you know, the love square thing with AJ Lee and Brian and Punk and, uh, and Kane, where at least you get that match at, I believe it was, um, can't remember where it was, but like over between the Brian, over the limit, yeah, 2012 between Brian and, and, um, Punk, that was great. So, like, all, you know, and then you end up getting the team hell no stuff, which then he, Daniel Bryan still made that work and they were great as a team, uh, for a long time. Um, but by the time he 2013, he had been, you know, he had got so hot that it was like, by the time Cena says, like, there's nobody else I can face, it's like, well, yeah, and everyone's doing the yes change, it's like, this dude's fucking awesome, we really like this dude, like, only y'all think he's an underdog, this dude is kicking shit out of people, right, yeah. so, um, you know, all the other stuff, you know, it's been over this million things that have been said over the years a lot by us as far as Daniel Bryan or in WWE and all that kind of stuff but yeah he's just he's just he's just cold like he's cold his and all of his wrestling is physical in, in a way that where like he lays it in it feels real because he's kicking shit out of you and he's getting the shit kicked out of him at times and like that's the beauty of wrestling like all you got to do is make somebody believe but so much, whether it's this much or this much, and then you can take it from there once you get them. And Daniel Bryan's always been really good at that. Yep. Um, so you actually had brought something up about Rampage, like, in the crowds, because I was watching the show and kind of noticed it as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the last two shows, and definitely after the pay-per-view, um because they're taping shows like the crowd is so far below what the live version of that particular week's show. So, um, if you want to go to the pay-per-view that was immediately or the show dynamite and the taping of rampage, that was immediately after, um, all out. You look at, you, you listen to those crowds and clearly like there's one crowd that was hyped for two hours television. And then by the third, by the third time, that third hour came out, or however many, the, I don't know how many, I don't know what's on dark. I have no idea when dark's taped now, but um, that that ten to eleven when they recorded Rampage, just they weren't as excited. Um, they were tired, and then um, the real the is the worst was really like for me um, the Grand Slam when they had to, when they did four hours. Those last mm-hmm. two four hours were just like. This is not the same. This this is it's the same crowd, but it damn sure don't feel like what it was. Uh, you know, watching the first two hours on Wednesday, um, and I felt that while watching watching it like on tape, I felt tired watching it on tape. I didn't I, or not yeah, on tape, but copying it, copy it, it live, watch it live. Like watching it live was like 
and exercise and looking at your phone to like stay to to give yourself a break to stay engaged like mm-hmm. i can't tell you a thing about penelope ford versus anna J. like nothing it's like not. it was i was i was just holding on for dear life until like midway through the main event mm-hmm. and mind you that's like 11 50 at night on friday so it was yeah. like Man, I hope y'all don't get no wacky ideas to ever do two hours at this time just because it's going to be a struggle unless you're doing you're going live and you're deciding like, you know, we're putting hot shit like and and, you know, they had like Moxley and Kingston versus Suzuki and Archer. But at the end of the the day, it's like, yeah, they're just doing a walk and brawl death match. And it was like, "Uh, all right, cool. And it's like a novelty match. It's not something that is like this, like, like narratively important or anything. Right. Um, and I think most of the, you're right about that. I think the biggest country, country or, uh, contributed to that crowd I put was the fact that like, they were, they were tired. Like there's only so much you could do. Um, now for me, um, watching last week's show, and I'm just like, all right, this is the third time in the last four weeks they've done this, and they did those first two weeks in uh, Pittsburgh and Chicago, and obviously you cannot replicate um, Chicago, obviously, right? Like that's the return of one of the biggest, one of the most important wrestlers of the last twenty years of wrestling returning after seven years. You can't you can't re- replicate that. That's so. I'm not even going to try that. But they they have to figure out a way to get. A second taping um, on Fridays at at ten. Like I understand that. Um, I understand that they, you know, they probably don't want to do that many, you know, f- people flying in twice or whatever else. But have people send whatever their promos in via whatever instead of having to come in twice a week. Then, if that's the case, because like it's. The, one of the biggest things for AEW's wrestling is they have incredible crowds that are super excited for the wrestling. But um, how many how many floor dives are you how many floor dives are you going to see before you're like, all right, I get it um, in one <laughs> in one sitting. So like I, in there's no knock like the best wrestling shows I've ever seen have been you know over four hours some of, most of them. But it's like. This is weekly television. We're not putting on the best. We're not trying to put on, you know, a, a, a show of the year contender. We're in this case for four hours. And like, you kind of need that for four hours. And that's the reason why WWE only does three hour pay-per-views now. They've yeah. managed to learn the lesson as far as like, we can't be pinning people out there for that long. You're like, it's going to hurt the crowd. Yeah. Um, I, I think they should try to figure out like something with the taping schedule because like, I think the the real thing for them is like double like you don't like I think you can get away with maybe doing like two live shows in a month like on a Friday. I don't think adding all that production, you know, for another show for like and you just add that literally double your shows through the rest of the year. That's like a lot of cost and it just doesn't I don't know. It, he says he wants to treat it like an A show, but it's like, I don't know, man. Like, there's always a big match on the show. There's lots of, like, great promos. On segments. paper, it is. On paper, it's, on, I, look, on paper, I'm, it doesn't feel like a secondary show from what we've seen. The problem is the crowds are fucking exhausted. So, like, 
Yeah. When you watch it, when you watch one and you tune into one, the other one two days later, you're like, what the fuck happened? Right. And it's like, the, like y'all was just crank. Like, w- like what happened? Like, I don't, yeah. I don't get it. Like, how do but, y'all uh, go from being, you know, a new, a 2019 New Japan crowd to being a 2000 or actually like the last five years of WWE? Like, yeah. One, and all and, one and this Rochester crowd did feel like a WWE stand in crowd. Um, <clears throat> but a lot of what chants, a lot of, shit like that um so we did have a tnt title match uh sam Guevara defeated miro um for the tnt title new belt for him has the diamonds in it uh, i haven't seen it yet so it's it's essentially the black belt but instead of like the plate finish in the middle all of it is jewels so okay. it's hard um Sammy uh, picks up the the belt, beats Miro. So I guess we gotta we gotta give Miro the eulogy here. So what would so what would like Tony Khan have done if Miro had shot and said nah? Like what would he have done with that belt? Like the belt was clearly already made if it's already been you know so quickly. Like it's been in the plans for for weeks if not months. But what if Miro had shot? What 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 what, what happened then? I think that is one of the classic questions of One Nation Radio. Is like, well, what what if they shoot? You know. Um, you know, I don't know if he would would want to try Sammy like that. You know, Sammy would have had some form. I'm sorry. Am I hearing? Am I miss? Am I mishearing you? You know, Sammy Sammy quit with the feet. You know, he's quick with the feet. Okay, maybe he is. Nah, but um, (laughs) yeah, um, love the match. Uh, this was uh, uh, a pleasant surprise. Um, I had a feeling the belt may be changing, especially when, when they were in the main event spot. I didn't watch the show live. I watched the show the next morning, but okay. I caught the results when they were coming out. Had I been watching live with everyone else, I'd have been losing my fucking mind. But um, yeah, I this guy I picked out very early on and thought he would be a big star, and I was very happy to see him. This is Miro's first loss in a promotion. Um, Miro has basically come into the promotion kind of like a shell of himself, right? From WWE, just like treat him like shit on the way out. He's part of a cold storyline. He's just like pretty much as low value as you can get. And then he comes in. Don't be calling people low or high value on the show, Kevin Samuels. You stop this right now. You stupid. You stupid. But like, you know, he basically what I'm trying to say is Tony Khan wasn't getting 2015 Rusev walking in the door. Mm-hmm. So what he had to do was make <laughs> his own, essentially. And, you know, it took him a little bit with the Kip stuff, but Kip ultimately became someone to unleash his fury on. And then we got the fucking Redeemer and uh, he just killed lots of people with the belt. Wanted in electrified fashion uh, over Darby Allen, um, and then went uh, against Lance Archer. Uh, he had matches with Lee Johnson, with Brian Pillman Jr., multiple matches with Fuego del Sol, Eddie Kingston on the pay per view, and then I believe that led him uh, to Sammy. Yeah. And all throughout this, you know, they were talking about Miro's like certain hubris and his weaknesses. And uh, I thought it was a really well done thing. If you tie all those threads together, like you can tie a knot essentially. And um, you know, the, the neck that Eddie Kingston used to talk about the, 
uh, turnbuckles that Miro had won matches with in the past came back to bite him. Uh, his, you know, his treatment of Fuego del Sol came back to bite him in the end. And Sammy was able to take advantage of all that and have this crowd yelling, Sammy, Sammy, Sammy. And um, I thought it was a it was a class way. I always talk about how does someone lose their belt? Uh, he did it in style. And I think he's um, definitely like when people lose belts, it's always like, all right, where do they go? I think he's positioned to slot right into whatever's going to go on with the world title after Ken- Kenny comes off it. And I don't know if that's soon, but if there's a baby face that needs someone to fight, Miro's standing right there uh, in the first one to two challengers. So that's where I see him fitting in next. Um, but, yeah, that was my impression of Miro's title reign. Uh, what, what did you think of, of his reign? And then, uh, you know, what does this mean for Sammy? Um, I thought his reign was really, really fun. <clears throat> like, I've never really thought about it from the context of – um, I, I I was happy for him for the fact that he after some rejiggering and showing like I thought that it showed the level of um, commitment to booking that um, that Tony Khan has and their creative has like things don't work they readjust until they get it working and aside from like the Nightmare Collective pretty much everything else like a lot of things don't work immediately especially like the imports that come from wwe a lot of them are not just like fantastic off the rip right like a lot of them you had to rejigger and figure out and i think it's testament to like the relief in like their people to where it's like we're gonna push you it's not if it doesn't go work it doesn't work and go over like gangbusters we're not just gonna immediately get rid of you in three weeks we're gonna have some patience and we're gonna try to rejigger things make it work like you know, it's interesting that this happened in um in Rochester, but like, look at look at Dark Order. There are plenty of promotions that would have said this shit sucks. Throw it out, throw it in the river, and they stuck with it, and 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 working out for the best. Um, and Miro is definitely another example of that. And Miro had to do a lot of adjusting. Like he came in, he was a gamer with with with, with like he was. Like he had, you know, he had expensive clothes on, but like he was fucking depressed with that hair. Like the like the number of like the number of people I've seen like that make depressing music or songs about being depressed with like with hair like that is like made you want made you worry what was going on with him. Um, but then he basically said he basically flipped it. He turned ruthless and he started beating up geeks. And like there are, there are a few things. Uh, that I don't think Rusev can't do, but one thing I know for sure is he can beat up some fucking geeks in impressive fashion and skinny wimps and small people and be a bully. And like it worked like that's kind of more or less what got him over in 2014, 15 was he never lost and he kept beating up people. Um, and who knew? More or less, yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah. Just let, let him, let him be a dominant asshole. He not necessarily cool. And, like he'll he'll get over it. It's always worked for it's worked for him before. It worked for him in this case, and obviously, um, being more or less like a lapdog of the Russian government is different than uh, what the Redeemer character is. But like, just at its most basic uh, um, uh, concept, like it was that like he is just gonna be a big bully that 
that's going to sell or whatever else like crazy and flop like a fish at times for people. But at the end, he's going to win and stand victorious and be a bully. So, um, I thought he was really good. As far as the future, I'm kind of with you on that. Like, there are a bunch of baby faces to plug in the top of the car with him. Like, in recent um, AEW, we have with Adam Cole, we have with Malachi Black, and we have with uh, Miro, like, an abundance of heels that you can slot in and, and put into programs and big matches with with all the baby faces that they have at the top of the car without, without a title and it's new and fresh. Like you ha- they have all of that. So, um, it's, it's just about how they want to deploy all of that. And, and I'm sure it'll be fun. Um, as far as Sammy, happy for Sammy. Um, they have been giving him a bit of a push ever since, um, he won the, um, stadium stampede. The Houston proposal thing was a big deal. Um, I would have been okay if he had lost and came back and won it off him later, but um, it's fine where it is right now. And um, I wonder what kind of champion he's going to be. Like, are, you know, because most, most of the TNT champions have been, for the most part, de facto fighting TV champions. But they, it seems it like he, it seems like he's already starting that kind Bobby of with Bobby Fish, with Bobby yeah. Fish yeah. coming in. And yeah. I was taken aback by that one. I was like, really, Bobby Fish? All right. <laughs> Look, man, I understand we give him the uh the or you give him the just for man scene, but Bobby Fish can wrestle. He's really good. He's still really good. So, like, I expect him to have a really good match. Um, as far as you know, like, I expect Bobby Fish to sign AEW because, well, you, you come on now. Like, the the story was Adam Cole showed up to Vince uh, met Vince at SmackDown the same day they fired Bobby Fish. I'll let you tell it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna go no further than that because after that's regular speculation. But there's um, and this is a bit of regular speculation. But like, they were close. They've been around each other for years. Eight, like all the elite guys have known Bobby Fish for years through Ring of Honor and PW and everywhere else in around the Indies. Like, he's a likable guy. I'm. Sh- they find a spot for damn near anybody. I'm sure he'll, he'll, he comes in. This is just more or less tryout slash you're already signed. Just have a pulse and you'll get signed. And <laughs> they'll go out there to have a really good match where Fish will eat him up with submissions and kicks. And then suddenly have to overcome that uh, and with with his uh, athleticism. And they'll win and they'll probably shake hands or they'll start a feud or whatever else. But like Bobby Fish is going to be all elite. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Sammy's going to tap into his human highlight reel nature, I think, and really explode with the belt. Like sometimes you heat someone up before the belt. Um, other times it's like, hey, put the belt on him and then let him see what he does, what he can do with it. And I think that Sammy is a guy that can rack up a load of defenses against whoever and do all the high flying. Like you tell me like, we can get Dante Martin versus Sammy Guevara on a show. I would love to see that. Um, he can go through all, all those people, and then he can lose to a monster heel. He can lose to somebody like um, they already kind of planted seeds for Scorpio Sky stepping to him, uh, Ethan Page. Like, whichever way you want to go with it, you can do it. You can put it on, like, a big star, or you can try someone else out eventually to take it off him. But I'm going to enjoy Sammy's. Uh, TNT belt because he is, as MJ said, 
MJF said, one of the four pillars now. So <laughs> what did you uh, make of this uh, th- this four pillars thing that uh, MJF pulled out? I mean, it's... I was I was laughing. It's uh, cute it, because, like, you know, we we often talk about those four together all the time as far as, like, they're the young guys. <laughs> it's going to, like, they're probably going to be... We're, they're expected to be, like, pushed from the beginning to eventually, long-term, take the reins over from the Moxleys, the Omegas, the Cody's, the Jericho's like, you know, like there's a reason why Cody was tied to Darby and tied to Sammy, um, on the first episode of dynamite, right? Like there's a reason why Darby, um, has been tied to Moxley and why Moxley loves it, loves him so much. Right. There's a reason why, like all on the way, like you think about it, go back, like I, you know, I think about it. Like, it's obvious, right? It's not no so pro- profound thing that I just uncovered, right? I didn't discover anything, but think of all the cosigns Darby's had. Yeah, he has Cody, he has Sting, Cody, um, Sting, Moxley, Kingston. At this point, like when he's AEW, when he's AEW World Champion, eventually you'll look back and be like, "This was the oh, setup all along the fucking way." They were- they were telling me a, a thing the whole time. Yeah, and it wasn't. And it wasn't something as lazy as, "Oh, we're gonna do some fuck shit, and then we'll have the Rock come out there and raise his cousin's hand." Yeah, yeah. Like maybe she had the Rock like show up earlier. Like, yeah, er, that would have helped way earlier. But then again, like you ain't getting the Rock to show up. Uh, didn't come to all them fucking uh Raws to, to go. Uh, you know, do that. But you know, we get my point. Like, yeah, he has been. His like. If He's you been naturally start, integrated with those people in AEW, sorry, in WWE terminology, we would be saying that like MJF and Darby and Sammy and um, Jungle Boy, we would be saying that like those are Tony Khan's golden boys. We don't call them golden boys here, but we we would be calling them that. Like we like that's they're almost like the OVW class, that old mm-hmm. OVW class in a way, where it's like those are those are the four. They'll make it eventually. Watch over time. Um, but yeah, like, um, as far as so it makes sense. Like we always talk about it. It's, I think it's interesting that like they also were per- perceptive to it as well. Slash, like, yes, everyone gets the agenda, you know. But um, yeah, I, I, I thought it was cute. Like, obviously, I don't think like you know, I don't know if these are all like Observer Hall of Famers or like that level of talent. But whatever. And also, yeah. like, then, then you start thinking people start doing the, the parallels. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> So, you got a long way to fucking get to Kabashi, my friend. In, in, yeah, uh, yeah who's Kabashi? You know? I mean, I don't know who Kabashi is, but I know who Masawa is. Who's Masawa? Oh, Darby. Yeah, I, I, I could agree with that. Yeah, I mean, look, um, just for no other re- just for no other reason than, like, I mean, if you ask me out of them four, who's most likely to, to, to ultimately, like, uh, lose their it. life in the ring? <laughs> God damn it. It's, it's, it's Darby Allen. It's very, like, so MJF? No, MJF is gonna be wrestling until he's fucking fifty-five. Yeah. Um I'm trying to think. I think Jungle Boy's gotta be Kobashi because they started like beating him like a drum mm. in the beginning, and Kobashi never won a match forever. He he lost like some like his first hundred matches or some shit like that. <laughs> okay, so if that's the case, I would say yes, Kobashi for the reason that um I do it from the, from Vince's perspective. If Vince were looking at those four guys in a lineup, the person mm-hmm. he was likely to pick because of the hair would be Jungle Boy. In much the same way that if you line up 
Tawei and, and the rest of them for, and the rest of them uh four, like he would pick Kobashi. Um and I, I guess Sammy by default ends up being Tawei, and then that makes MJF Kawada? I don't know. It, it's not it, this is not look, talk to talk to Kingston about this. Yeah. Talk to Kingston yeah. about this. Like yeah. this this was a rough comparison. Have, it have we gotten to Eddie literal. Kingston's thoughts on this? Like can 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 the One Nation Radio listenership ask uh Eddie Kingston on Twitter what does he think about MJF talking about the four pillars oh, in AEW? Look, for all we know, that was a shot. That wasn't a shot for a, a Darby promo that, or for a Darby program. That was a pro, uh, a shot for a Kingston program. He came out and was like, oh, hell, I know goddamn well you didn't come out here and, and, and blaspheme. So, yeah, man, like, I, I made that same joke, uh, more or less about, um, they made sure that Kingston had his matches out the ring, uh, yeah. before. MJF said that because he would have stormed the ring. Um, that man would have had to get held back as he's wearing his black and yellow. Yes. Trying to storm the you ring. You're going to have to straighten me by talking about Kawada. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, like it's a neat thing, but I don't I don't know if it's going to be like a literal thing and actually like full full on branding of T-shirts and stuff like how to yeah, pictures and all yeah. that kind of stuff. No, nah, I don't think it's going to turn into that. No. Nah. Yeah. Um the <laughs> the star perhaps of the show was an inanimate object. Um, it was burning up Twitter, trending for days. All the memes, all the jokes. Wasn't a was uh, and it was an inanimate object, or was it a because uh, the inanimate <laughs> object wasn't there? But the, the gesture uh, lets you know that there would be an inanimate object. Yeah, um, that Arn Anderson's, Yeah, Arn Anderson's Glock Nine. <sighs> I grabbed the Glock. <laughs> the Glock 9. The what? All right. So um, Lee Johnson basically pulls Cody Rose out of the way, gets the pin on Dante Martin. After the match, We this is the Arn Anderson comes in the ring and tells Cody, he's like, the difference between me and you is if – I was getting carjacked or you were getting carjacked. You would say, please, mister, don't hurt me here. Take the car. Essentially. He said me, I had to grab the Glock and blown his brains all over the concrete. And he held up the, uh, the thing, the hand made the gun gesture and our Anderson's Glock took off like a rocket in the sky, uh, on Twitter. Yes, Anderson nine millimeter says I just blew your head off. Yes. <laughs> um, what do we make of this? Like, it was hilarious. It was it was just so random. No one was expecting a, anything close to that. So people were like, "Wait, what the fuck is going on?" He's like, it's been a long time, a pretty long time since like we have um, made any references to actual guns. Like mm-hmm. on a major I keeps it on wrestling. Me. Can I can I finish my point? Yeah. Okay, so it's been a long time since that I can remember since someone made a, a full on reference to an actual gun in in American major American professional wrestling in that way. So I think a lot of people pop were like, oh shit, like people talk about, you know, um when um when someone calls someone a bitch or says the word shit or say they're gonna whoop their ass on television. Like you say yep. you're gonna you fin- like the difference between me and you is I I really kill one of you like hey, it's 
I wasn't expecting that on my. I, I wasn't expecting that. I expect the orange to see Orange Cassidy, you know, not care. But you talk about, hey, if it come down to it, if it's me or you, it's not. It damn sure ain't gonna be me. Um, that was that's kind of wild. Like Arn, but it makes sense. It makes sense. Um, it, it does make sense. It makes sense. This man debuted in 1982. Yes. Like what? What American? Dude, very on brand. What right? territory pro wrestlers you know? What that one strap that were successful? I'm sure there were some. Most of them weren't. Most of them were strap. Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, this is like one of the funniest things I've like seen. Like completely unintentionally with the comedy. Uh, your boy Conrad was immediately on it. You know, he's a carny himself. Had yeah. the shirt ready, yeah. Um, and it was just, it was pretty fun. Like it, it was fun. It was a great night for the for the memes. Um, it was just incredible, quite frankly. So, so you guys in the Twitch stream, I have pulled up the lyrics um, for "I'm So Hood." Rick Ross has a part in the song. God damn it! Oh I have my it God. highlighted here. Uh, if you guys can see it. Um, on the stream, this is incentive to join the streams live. Oh my um, God. And if you guys are, are seeing it on the stream, I do have it perfectly aligned there and highlighted. So uh, that's essentially what Arn Anderson said. So. Ain't gonna cut no time. <laughs> I murdered one of you. <laughs> join oh, the stream. Two thousand seven was about this unbelievable. Yeah, or was that 2008? No, 2007. 2007. 2007. Yeah, 2007. Um, so we also had uh, Adam Cole versus Jungle Boy in another of the four pillars here. Um, so uh, this was awesome as well. This fun um, match. Um, the fun battle match. of the battle of the hair. Um, <laughs> Never thought about it. Yeah. So Adam Cole is really, really over. Uh, continues to show up in these towns, and it's like. I, I thought Brian Alvarez had a great point. <clears throat> I was listening to him review this show. And he said, think about all the guys that they've called up the last however many years. And they didn't call up Adam Cole. Yeah. Like they've called up Shanky. And then like they let Adam Cole go to AW. Like that is malpractice. Well, any way you slice they it. They didn't let him. It's a contract. The contract <laughs> ends and he of his free will decided to leave. Correct. I get what you're saying though. But they let him leave. They didn't they didn't do anything you. to incentivize him to stay. I get you. Correct. Get you. Like they didn't bring him up earlier. They didn't do like they well, knew this guy had You know what's gonna happen. They brought him up earlier. He'd been he'd been like Malachi Black. It, but or ricochet when ricochet leaves in shanky like this is this is it's not gonna get over like what, what the things they're doing and we're seeing these tickets in these towns and i'm not just talking about the little ones in kentucky i'm talking about ohio like cincinnati i'm talking about new york where aw's kicking their ass hand over fist everywhere you want to look you want to talk about the barclays center and why aw full gear is smoking survivor series and the tickets Anybody got an answer? Because I can tell you, um, it's down to how the product you can trust uh, buying a ticket and know a great show is coming. They just demonstrated that in Arthur Ashe. Um, you never know if you buy a ticket to a WWE pay-per-view if the top rope is going to break in the main event for the finish. Like, you never know what you're going to get. 
And then, you know, the UBS in Long Island, three to one for AEW. And it's like, which one would you rather go to, Raw or Dynamite? This isn't. This isn't even. You asking me? Yeah, and I'm just, I'm just putting it in general. I ain't going neither one of them for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Man, please. But um, yeah, man, like it's uh. Which one I'd rather cool. watch? Oh, definitely AEW. Because I ain't watching no main roster. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, I ain't watching no WWE. Like because it killed the shit I was actually watching. They get, the last, the last lifeline I had to this fucking company is like, nope, fuck them. Yep. And <laughs> Specifically, then, uh, James Boyd, fuck them. Uh, Dellen says, "Pan front row for a WWE pay per pay per view show. You might not even get the match you were advertised. Yeah. So, um, like, oh, your second most important match. We don't care. <laughs> yep." So two, like, two most important matches, like we're not gonna give you finishes, we're not gonna give you satisfying finishes or conclusions. We don't yeah. care. Yeah, and Mark. <laughs> yeah, and that's what they're saying too. <laughs> um, and, and and it's not like they need us. So like, I think a lot of fans are showing that they that we quote unquote don't need them. Uh, if you want to go to Saudi Arabia with all these big matches and have these shitty shows, we don't have to watch them, and then we won't buy our tickets when you come back here. Um. But I say all that to say Adam Cole um, <laughs> has, you know, just rolled into the promotion and he's off to the races. Uh, I thought this could have went either way. And then, you know, deep into the match, it was like, oh, yeah, Cole's going to go ahead and put this away. Um, and I thought he, uh, you know, this is another it's another uh, lesson for Jungle Boy. Um where he's not on Cole's level yet, much like he wasn't on Kenny's level, much like he wasn't on uh, Jericho's level. And these are all like kind of different tests for him to eventually like come back to. And I thought it was, uh, I thought it was a really great match. Yeah, I did too. I like the story of it where like, and I talked about this on the show with Imp um, on Thursday, like the story of Cole is the vet with all, all the XP compared to um, in the world compared to Jungle Boy in, Jungle Boy tries to set traps, and Adam Cole's like, "I learned that shit 15 years ago." Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're gonna, you oh, you're gonna run to the corner and then jump and then jump over my back. No, I'm not going for it. Um, and there was multiple po- points and that happened, but like Jungle Boy, then in the, that match happens, like whether it's Adam Cole being too cocky or just going or thinking um, Jungle Boy, you know, isn't experienced enough or is too tired to think about it. Like he tries to he tries these traps, and like Jungle Boy's like. No, like I'm like is he's learning on the fly, like from mistakes during the match, and I thought it was cool. Um, I thought that him kicking out of the Panama Sunrise was a step too far. Um, what does he ever beat with that? Uh, in in NXT, yeah, he's won matches in NXT with that. Uh, I, I think that I think the thing for me more or less is like. It depends on who's doing the Canadian Destroyer, right? Like, if Phoenix, like, I'm sorry, if uh, Pentagon's doing a Phoenix, uh, I'm sorry, not Phoenix, a Canadian Destroyer, like, you know, it's just a big move, right? Like, mm-hmm. he's not going to pin anybody to put him on their weight, but, like, I, I've seen him in combination in concert, like, give someone a Canadian, or put someone, put someone basically knocks the fire out of them with that. They may kick and get the last of the fire out and then hits you with the last shot or the boom is as he's calling it now. And that's like, that's a setup move. It's like, so for me, like, it felt like that was a perfect finish. And then like, he kicked out and they, it went a little longer. And I mean, I don't know if it necessarily made the match better, but it did give Jungle Boy something to say that like, he's tough enough to put up with like the, more or less like the best shot in, in, um, 
in Adam Cole's uh, bag. So I get I get why they did it. I don't think it was I don't think it was like wasteless and stupid. I just think like, I don't I I probably would have just ended it there. So I'm I'm kind of two minds on it. But like me personally, I'm like end it right there, and then like in a second match, like he kicks out of that with with Cole. Mm, um, okay. I, I I would be cool if he chased Cole eventually, or in in a way that similar <laughs> kind of not necessarily fashions exactly what happened with Darby and Cody, but something like. He needs a goal to chase after right now, and like it don't. It seems like it's not gonna be Christian. And Christian gonna be his more or less sting. Um, so for me, I would have been cool with if he had, you know, um, lost I right think, there. I think he should have did the Panama Sunrise on the floor and then kicked out. Um, you know, that would have made it more familiar. You know, for everybody. You gotta say that for a big match, and that's like Wait. a very intimate match. Everyone's exhausted. You do it on the floor, and then you get the, at least you get the the benefit of he got hit with the shit on the floor, and it takes forever to actually get Gargano into the ring before the pin. So like, you get the thing of damn, like he kicked out of that, but like you at least have the bell of it took forever to get the cover. Whereas he got dropped on his fucking head and immediately pinned. He's like, nope, kicked out. Heart of a champ. Heart of a champion. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I mean, I can, I honestly can see, I can see why they did it. It was to give, it was to give the impression that like Jungle Boy lost, but he has more heart than even maybe we had thought. Like I get the reason why they did it. So, I, but so I'm, you know, like I don't think it was a mistake. I just think, I, just as far as a choice, I would have went the other way with it. That's all. Mm. Um. So like some of the women's matches on this show and also Rampage, I saw them and I was um. Not particularly impressed by the tag match that that happened, and not just just in a general sense. Like that doesn't really go like with my my larger point. Like because they'll have like they've had bad matches before, so that's not like anything new or anything. But like, <laughs> um, I saw um, the three way all the time. We been- <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> the fuck, like I, you know, you know, they're you know they're varying skill levels here that we're working with you know some people are 16 year veterans but can't quite put it together and then some people are brand new and it's like they just haven't had the time uh, to do it like i was watching uh, the three-way match with jade and nyla and um uh, rosa thunder rosa all the experience in the world looks great fires up um everything you want in a wrestler right i'm mm-hmm. watching jade uh, Jay's strikes look like the shits. Like Ole Anderson would would had, would rail on these. Um, and I'm just like, I like the right. forearms with uh, with Nyla. I'll give her that. Yeah, I I don't know. It, it it seems like she's got a little bit of that Nyla in her. Where Nyla sometimes like she used to it used to feel like Nyla was hesitant to really hit people or whatever because she might not know her own strength. Well. She may may or may not have in kayfabe or otherwise been told not to hit so hard. So who knows what who knows what she got going through her mind right now? Yeah, that that rose to the top thing I think was entirely fake. Oh, I think it was too. But at the same time, I'm still gonna clown it. How how dare you? (laughs) (laughs) How how dare you in in Shuri's ring say you can't slap somebody hard? Get the fuck out of here, (laughs) bro! I saw that. I was like. Get the fuck out of here! Yeah, I, I feel I was like, oh, that's that's clearly uh, that's clearly a reality show work or whatever else. But I still at the same time like, who's watching this is gonna fall for this? Simpletons. 
Um, that that think these women, these pretty women, shouldn't be hitting each other this hard. That's oh that's God. that's who would fall for it. But um, I watch pretty women yeah. hit each other hard all all the time. It's fucking awesome. It's fun. Sorry, agreed. Like agreed. I'm sorry. Like you're not gonna make them unpretty if you hit them. If if they hit each other, like yeah, they're I, like let so, them have the match they can have. So so the tag match, um, it was you know the the aesthetics you know were off the charts in this match, but we had Anna Jay and Ty Conti against Penelope Ford and the Bunny, and I'm just thinking like, all right, it's been like two years on national television, pretty much since Dynamite started. Mm-hmm. Um, the development plan for I, the women, it feels like it is like for some of the ones they're trying to get better, like your Penelope Ford, uh, your Nyla, your Anna Jay. Like, I don't see where the growth can come from simply um, because we know they do one match on Dynamite. They do one match on Rampage uh, and it's competitive to get that spot. Right. And if you don't get that spot, you might be on a dark. Okay. Doing a possibly an enhancement match wrestling somebody that doesn't work for the company. Uh, it's not often that they make them square off against each other on dark only sometimes. I just don't know if training with Dustin is enough for them to get where they should be. Like as far as like becoming top line workers, like a thunder Rosa or something like that. Like I think they should be looking like they have I think they should be looking to set up more partnerships. I know it's tough because of the pandemic and stuff like that to just send people places they might not necessarily want to go. But um, yeah, I, I don't think, I think the development plan is flawed. I, I don't see how they can get better and it's going to take them longer to actually achieve better results than like, like we can't send someone to start them for six weeks and that would be like ideal. Like, hey, you're going to go to a fucking dojo for six weeks, train like hell, and have you're going to have 10 to 15 matches and then come back or something like that. Like, I don't know if Anna Jay has had, like, I don't know how many matches she's had this year. Let's just mm-hmm. say that. Well, she just came back from injury. She came back from injury. So how about Penelope Ford? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how many matches Penelope Ford has had this year. And, like, I can't reasonably expect her to get better without matches against people that she can actually learn from. And, like, doing the enhancement matches doesn't, like, take you any further. Like, is Big Swole necessarily a better wrestler now than she was in 2019? Um, I do not believe like, so. Maybe. I, I, like, I don't that, know. Okay, so... Uh, I agree with you, and you know we've talked about this a, a bunch. Um, I think that, um, like, and it's not just a blanket like, "Hey, give the women more TV time." It's like, "Hey, I think the developmental plan is like flawed." Right, 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 right. Um, I I think that, like, for example, Nyla and uh, and um, Red Stat Velvet Lander. got. Statlander and Red Velvet and Nyla have all gotten better than the first time I saw them, right? So it's not like the uh, it's not like uh, nobody's getting better. The problem is um, none of them are gotten better to the point to or enough of them haven't gotten better to the point to where like you can you feel like you can rely on all of them or you mm-hmm. rely on most of them. Uh, so for so um, just looking at it, uh, Penelope's had twenty one matches. Um, this year, 
uh, so 20 in AEW, and, um, all right, eight minutes, three minutes, four minutes, three minutes, two minutes, seven minutes, all right, uh, one match went 10 minutes, 21 minutes of Battle Royals, I don't even count, she's had one match that's gone 10 minutes, um, and keep in mind, like, not all, you know, seven, eight, not all sub 10 minute matches are the same, right, like, they're working a they're working a more or less traditional American style in 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 the AEW women's division, um, as far as tempo and pacing. So it's like their their eight minute women's match is not the same thing as like some some four minute high speed match with Hazuki or or, or Starlight Kid or whatever. So it's not even like a fair comparison. But um, it's it's tough, man. Like. I think the best option would be to try to get them some partnership with Shimmer and Shine, but a lot of these wrestlers have already done that, you know. Yeah. Um, like we I, saw, I like shit, we saw Statlander in, in the freaking um, New York City uh, Shimmer, right? And I th- like, and I, th- I think it's a function of people in the United States promoting women's wrestling as like a I don't want to say a caused right but like accepting anything like as far as like this is good everything's good like like no one wants to I think call it for what it is and be like people aren't ready to necessarily step into national promotions and it's just like I think a lot of people like in this day and age like you feel pressure to put on like a competent women's division in America even if these people most of them, I think, are ready. Like, I don't want people to get my um, my thinking. Confused. They got more than half a dozen women. They have well. They have probably between. Okay, so just American women. They have more mm-hmm. than a dozen American women or Western women that that are good enough to be on t- TV, so on someone's television. So, like, that's not the problem. It's not. That's not so much problem as like, all right. You look at the depth of talent in the in the tag division, in the singles men's singles division, and you compare that to what they have in the women's division. It's like, how do we catch up? How do we catch up to get to a point to where we can have, uh, you know, a half hour of dynamite or or forty minutes of dynamite or a whole hour of dynamite, like for the women on a random week? And like, I don't really see it. And fundamentally, I don't see a path to that. Other than like we got to get people up in the promo game and then like start building or fleshing out the vision like on, um, more on dynamite than dark and like there's never been a situation where I where I've watched, uh, dynamite or rampage and felt like yeah I'm sure they the women were mostly on mostly did their thing on television than on YouTube I never I've never thought that and it all it comes it it starts to become a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way. Like the women are getting better, but not at the pace that you, that you will hope for. And the the pandemic hasn't helped that, but like, we can't just rely on on, on Japanese Joshi promotions to save, to save, uh, you know, to save the whole entire ecosystem of wrestlers. Um, and this is, I'm not even talking about like, um, I'm not even talking about like, AEW's of a division. I'm talking about like American wrestling in general. Like, granted, mm-hmm. you have guidance come in all the time before the pandemic, whatever else. But it's like they, get, aside from the few, most of them are staying for for you know six months, like Jamie Hader did to get better, or you know basically spend a whole you know two years of her of her career like B did to get better. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it's or someone like it's, it's gonna be rough. It's gonna be hard. Like you know, it, people gonna have to t- apply the trade and figure out. Like you know, if Thunder Rose can do it, then like a lot of other people got to figure out. Or you know, that special situation. It's a person that trains in, in, in MMA and all that kind of stuff. Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, like. But like, there's a path in like trying to find a path for 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 people to make this all work in number in large numbers. Like that's the hard part. Um, yeah, that's the hard part. And like, you know, if that's something that you want to want to see out of your women's division, then you will do the hard work for that. And like AEW, not just for the women's division, just in general, have not had the patience for growing pains. We talked about this before, like. Yeah, they like, not- growing pains aren't going to be tolerated because, like, A, there's under so much pressure, like, not only from, like, like they're under fire almost at, if for anything. Anything goes wrong. Narratively, it seems like that, yeah. yeah. It seems like every, I mean, you know, every single week is like, oh, it's up 50,000. Oh, it's down 50,000. It's, it's, is, is the future or is in the shits from week to week? Yeah. Yeah, so, like, um, I think, like, you know, Thunder Rose is a good person uh, to look at. Like, I think they should begin working her promotion in like and i and i know she's got lots of people looks on elevation and uh, stuff like that that's mm-hmm. really cool i think they need to go a step further with that and also dustin has his school and then like come up with and they have the nightmare factory so like if they can do something between those three to where they're doing more matches whether in secret or not like i think they just have to literally just open up the ropes and and get them get people in there and like get people familiar with with folks and ready to to wrestle them because i think it's a uh like i don't know if it's like i don't want to say i think it's a weakness right because like you can i feel like they can smoke in mirrors and cover it up um as good as they can they can have a carl shooter wrestle somebody right and Mm -hmm. then whatever but i like you said that depth and then seeing the weeks like where the rotation falls to like that tag match right mm-hmm. and it's just like what are we doing here like yeah. like these are struggle matches like yeah <laughs> so and the thing is like penelope you know i've said what i've you know i've said what i've said over the last couple of years about like how dave Meltzer lost his fucking mind about how you know about whatever the you know the future outcome or trajectory is for for her but like she's let's gonna, look at her she's through. gonna be on tv Right. Let's look at her since then. Right. <laughs> like she's come and gone different times. Uh, I don't know if there's injuries at play there, but it's like she's not necessarily any further than she was in that match. Yeah. So I don't know, man. Yeah. Just something I, I figured I, I'd mentioned because I, I looked at it and I just was like, what is the what, like, what is the plan here? <laughs> like, and, you know. So, oh, like, I mean, the plan is like they should just push like Layla Hirsch and Red Velvet and like to a certain level, right? Like, should they be people that are like chasing after, you know, the the top of the card, the top of that division? Sure, to get eventually get them to that level, and then that, like, I trust them, I trust mm-hmm. them, I trust Brit, even though her matches aren't exactly or hit and miss sometimes or a roller coaster between like very good or just mid. Um, I trust Sheeta. I trust Riho. Um, I trust Serena Deeb. Like, so they have a nucleus of talent that absolutely, like, you have people you can trust. But the thing is, like, it, it, it's one thing to have, you know, less than 10 of them. And then, like, all of a sudden, it's like, you got, you know, damn near 20 dogs. 
You know what I'm saying? Because I hate to say oh, this. Oh, like, hold on. Dogs, like, people you know you can go into the trenches <laughs> with. Like, yeah. and, and go and go out here and do, and you just trust them implicitly. And, like, the only way that you, tr- you trust them not to fuck it up, you, like, you know they're about to deliver and have a great match. Like, they, over time, that's the dream. That is the dream. And I think this is, like, the problem that I think WWE gets into is sometimes with their women's division where there's the two or three great workers that are at the top. And then there's, like, this fucking ocean of They don't space. trust nobody else. And then, like, there's nothing for the people at the bottom to do. And right. I don't want that situation to really oh. manifest itself. I also, know it could be could show up any day, but if you can avoid that, that yeah. would be awesome. Also, the AEW movie, I keep forgetting her. Ruby and Jamie and Statlander, I trust them, too. Yep. Um, but, yeah, you're right about the women's division uh, divisions in um, on May roster. It's just, like, horsewomen plus Asuka, they trust with anything. They'll trust with anything. And then everything else is like they trust. They also trust Natalia, right? Yeah, everything else is like uh, the red cross. right. They just like just hoping for potluck. Hopefully, this shit will hold us through. Just hold it. Can, can you hold it in the road? Can you not crash the car? <laughs> Bring your ass. Come on, come on, come on. It's like it don't need to be like that. Um, like I think a lot of it. I think we'll see like once all of this. You know, a lot of this shit hits the road with like. NXT releases and and people in reaching the end of their contract or whatever else, um, as far as being able to figure out like what the main roster wants with two divisions that are always paper thin, or um, or like what happens with like the fallout eventually when like those contracts come due and people are tired of not being fairly fulfilled because like to have Tony Storm and Tegan Knox in um. Shotzi, Blackheart, regardless of you know how, how much how much she's like hit or miss, like they just have them around and be like, yeah, we gotta we gotta just take them, we gotta get them up to the main roster to do not shit with them apparently, and like <laughs> you know, like people are eventually gonna you know talk to Ruby, one of the nicest people in the in the industry apparently, and like there's gonna be some talks, and like they all know Brit and. You know, and they all know, and a lot of them know Brandy too. And like, there'll be talks eventually, and like, people are cross over, and like, they're gonna, and, and they're going to see for themselves, and then the word mouth will come. Like, do I think, do I think all need to show up? No. Um, like, because like, eventually there will be a, a, a there will be slots open up in the women's side and on the main roster. Um, once Oscar ages out or the horsewoman age out, just as far as them not wanting this to do this as much anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Like. So, and keep in mind, like, that was always a tough trans. That was a tough transition. Remember 2015, or 15, trying to transition from the Bellas and, and Paige and AJ Lee over to um, the Horsewoman? That took, that seemed like it felt like it took fucking forever. And then it finally happened. Um, I feel like I almost at a point where we didn't get a ch- really a chance to enjoy it because Vince was too busy doing goofy shit with them at times. But, like, that happened. Um, and, but that's when we talk about the growing pains. Like, you say what you want to about WWE and like how bad the creative is, but like there has been things that they've wanted to do. They they will and they even to the detriment of uh, their fandom. Like they will like stick to something, commit to it, and like the worst one was a big deal because like I never thought it was gonna come back around for Bailey or uh, or Becky. Never did. I thought like they, this fucked them and was like we're or fucked them over. Let me, you know, got got to be because people will clip you. People will clip you. <laughs> yes. uh, like, like 
this fucked fundamentally fucked up Be- uh, Becky Lynch and fundamentally fucked up uh, Bailey because he doesn't know how to. He's really bad with like inherently likable people, and then like eventually, after a year of time, he looks over in that corner like, Ooh, "Fuck it, you again? Come on, come on, come on, come on! Oh, it worked! Oh shit! All right, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm, you know, I'm glad you you stay committed, you know. So, like, eventually." Eventually, it'll be changed, and eventually, people either get tired or they'll go seek alternative, or they'll stick it out. And in you know, best of luck to whoever sticks it out. But um, there's plenty of talent. It's just you know, eight W or sorry, NXT and WWE. They played that long game. Um, yep. Like I mean, Kaylee Ray, Tony Storm, Tegan Knox, like uh, Viper, like all. They're like, yeah, you know. Triple H is not the only. Like, I'm not the only Stardom fan. Like Triple H is. Don't don't yeah. you ever forget that this man had this man has or had two of the freedom. I don't know how he didn't. I don't know why he didn't bring up Mayu. I don't know, but he got two of them. Amazing! How many red belt champions have passed through that promotion? Oh my god! Uh, okay, so. B, Kyrie, EO, um, Tony Storm. That's four of the, I think, 11, 9, 10. Yeah. I guess this is a good way to transition. Somebody was never a red belt champion. Uh, Jungle Kiona has left stardom. You really did it like this? You really did it. People are going to hate us, man. People are going to hate us. Don't do this. James, hit the music. Oh, my God. Alright, man, so Jungle Kiona um, it, it was reported that as of uh, September 30th, she is no longer in stardom um, there's been a lot of speculation about, you know, who if, if she left, whether or not she couldn't get clear by a doctor um, you know, what she wants to do, if she's going to retire or not um, she stated she's going to continue. We don't know when and where she's going to show up. There are places <clears> that I would love for her to to, uh, to end up at um, in a freelance capacity. I think, honestly, you look at the landscape, for me personally looking around, I think the best thing for her to do is to freelance and not join another uh, particular promotion at this time. Um, given that, like, there is just a, there is no real top freelancer right now. Like, once they got Shuri off the market from, uh, at the beginning of last year, like, there's kind of been a like it's pretty much Oscar right now, um, but Jungle could definitely make a lot of hay in places and not necessarily like be. I don't really think she fits in places that she can make a lot of money doing this, right? Like I don't think that um, she's necessarily a really good fit for Tokyo Joshi Pro. Like she comes in, and she's probably your best worker immediately, and it's too cutesy for her. Like the only person you really think that like she could get a really good match out of a physical match, given the way she wrestles with that kind of hard and fire, would be like Miyu. But then like she, maybe probably Yuka too. But like Mizuki, she just had to, she would just be a dominating big. I don't like I don't really find it too uh, too entertaining. But whatever. Uh, but anyway, like you know she joined Oz Academy, given you know the history with um, 
with uh, Yoniyama um, and, and Oz, Beast Friends, and she could be with Horoyo also as well, given they were former tag champs of stardom. Um, then you could throw like the, the matchups that are that they're, they're there for Ice Ribbon. Um, you know where I really wanted to go. I wanted to see like I wanted yeah, to see. I, I was I waiting want, to see how long you would take wanted, to get the seedling. I wanted to see more more than any other promotion. I wanted to see with the Nye and, the, and the seedling like the, the and, Nile House for like the, the ruffians. Like when when like they don't want to go to Star no more, they end up in seedling. Like well, to, I mean, to basically you know to, to throw down. I mean, there are a bunch of places that throw down. Um, I think that the places that are really popular outside of stardom um, aren't necessarily the places that you think of when you think of like the throw down, beat them up, Joshi. Um, but Seedling comes to mind because it's like you look at what you have there. Um, you have Russell Nakajima who will wrestle that super rough style um, that Jungle could do. You have, or the brawling style. You have Royal Matsumoto, who's there as a freelancer, who, you know, like, I've, I will, I've always wanted to see them have a singles match. Um, like, now that Jungle's more experienced. Nanai is obviously a slam dunk obvious one. Um, Mizunami is a slam dunk obvious one. Asuka is a slam dunk, you know, match or, you know, undercard tag thing or whatever else they could do. Like, there's a bunch of matches you say, like, all right, you got adults, they can wrestle at the highest level. Um, in Joshi, and there's a collection of them that kind of the real only, and they don't do you know bullshit nonsense. Like the real only the only answer for that is seedling. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can say wave as well. That's that's why that's unfair. You can say wave as well, but, but I don't really follow wave as, as much as everybody else. But so you can say wave as well. Like, but I would love to see her in seedling and wave more than anything. But any other two places. Um, as far as um her post or her post starting life. Um, the word is that um, she's been working. She's been back in, in the job force like a, as a good civilian. And um, Stardom helped her get said job. So, um, you know. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And, you know, the statement was that, like, they were happy. that this, They're not happy, but, like, it wasn't, like, a bad on both sides. This wasn't some, um, some bad feelings on either side. Like, they're, you know. She still loves stardom, and stardom still loves her. It's just is you know, it's beyond that time. I think she's she's thirty thirty one at this t- at this point in her life. Um, she's been she hasn't been around since she tore ACL on I think it was the October fourth or fifth show last year. Um, so she tore ACL, but she also had a shoulder a bum shoulder she had been like dragging with around with her for a year after that from uh, the two thousand nineteen Grand Prix. She been he had soldiered through so. Um, people had speculated whether or not, like, she was, uh, she could get cleared. Um, I don't believe that she couldn't get cleared and she'd start working somewhere else. Um, but either way, like, we're talking about, you know, in our, our experience watching, uh, stardom, for me, she is at worst the fourth best worker over that period of time. Um, she had great matches. Um, Give me your 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 most out there conspiracy theory on why she left. <sighs> most out there conspiracy theory. Um. Okay. So, uh, you perused these these these. Oh, from scene. okay. So from them. Um. Or well, you can put yours in too, but I, I didn't really have one, so I was going to make one up. Uh, oh, okay. But I haven't. Okay, so I mean, there are a lot of people that are just elated that she's leaving, right? Because you know. The, a lot of the Joshi fans treat it as if like WWE or Stardom is WWE, and I'm just like, 
okay, bro. Like, one company is selling more tickets. The other one is lo- is selling less tickets. What, like, one is growing, like, exponentially over in the middle of a pandemic. The other one has struggled, struggled and struggled through uh, having no fans to then, like, get fans back. And then they want to go back to having no fans, uh, some of the people in the uh, company. So, like, I don't know. I, 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 I disagree. I just disagree. Um, <laughs> yeah, so as far as a wild conspiracy theory for me, um, I would say is that um, she looked around after she tore ACL, saw the time, saw the landscape, saw who they're pushing, um, consider her age, and like she really wanted to be at the top of stardom. Um she clearly wanted to be at the top of stardom. That's the reason why she wrestled the way she did. That's the reason why she uh, was uh, one of the better faction leaders that we that we had ever saw in the two years or close to three years now watching stardom. And she always had to eat shit. She always was putting the shits in of, of the stuff. Like they gave her the worst faction of wrestlers. Um, she would have the great title uh, challenges, and she never paid. It never paid off for her. I, it, I remember. Um, Kagetsu's last really big match in stardom was um at, at the end of her um retirement tour. Kagetsu's. Uh it was in Osaka and it was her and my or it was Kagetsu and Mayu versus Jungle and Momo. And like that is the best tag match I've ever seen in stardom. Um like if you want to talk about the um the Kyrie and uh Mako Satamora versus um Mayu and EO match from 2016 go for it. I thought this match was better. Like I thought they emptied the gun on each other. And I thought like at the end, like, and this was all to set up jungle as the red belt title challenger for Mayu. And then, um, the pandemic happened so that we didn't get that until July, but like, she just looked awesome in that match. And, um, I remember after that Kagetsu, cause she was a head trainer, um, before, until she, uh, left, retired, said that like, with her and Momo, like, I want to do this match. I want to do this match with Mayu, but I also want to do this match with you two because, you know, we've had these, we've had talks about, you know, um, her saying that she believes, like, the true bloods and stardom, the, like, the real stardom. Yeah. Like, they believe that they should have a shot. And keep in mind, this before, like, Donald Amano fully exploded. Like, this is, like, early stages. Um, and, um, talked about how, how hard it was that, like, they, you know, they, you know, her and Momo kept this shit afloat as like Kyrie and EO left. Um, and now it's a super prosperous place and they're kind of being overlooked or not kind of, they're being overlooked in, in, you know, by the, by, you know, Bushy or whoever else being underappreciated. And like, he talked about like those phone conversations made me think like, she really wants to be the top of stardom. And like, she wants her room where she has her, you know, five, six, seven, uh, you know, pay-per-view Cork and Hall matches, whatever else, where she goes out there and she goes get goes and gets four and a half with whoever else. And we, people talk about her the same way we talk about like Tam or Shuri or Julia or Orissa Hoshiki or Momo over the last few years. Um or Mayu in the last few years. And like she never got the opportunity. She wasn't and she knew she was never gonna get the opportunity. Like I feel like that's a reason why uh Hazuki left. Cause like if you're Hazuki and you're um, two years older than Momo and you know look where Momo is and you're two years older even though you um, you have some you have some inside track uh, with management uh, over aesthetic uh, likings to compare to Momo but it's like she got her run 
I never got my run. We're more or less equals. People talk about Momo like it's the most biggest disaster thing in the world. I fucking left and had to come back, right? Um, so I could see, I could see where she was like, "I'm back, I'm healthy, and I'm out." Hollow. Like, and she could get a run as the Beyond the Sea ch- singles champion, right? Like, um, there are people that there are people that said that they uh, they want her in AEW, and I thought to myself, my my brothers. That is not what I want to see. I do not. I do not want to see Jungle Kiona have to babysit. I just got done watching her babysit. <laughs> I want her wrestling her peers, her contemporaries in in the in the scene. And um, if she had came back and was the number two in stars, she she could have done that. Had been in the tag scene with um, Mayu or um, or Hazuki if she ended up in stars, or whatever else. Definitely could have done that, but. There was clearly a ceiling, and she was never going to be a, a a red or white belt champion. And you know that stinks, but that's the price of the brick and stardom now. Um, Shit done changed. Yeah, and to be fair, like this, we already knew she was never going to be red or white belt champion before Donna Domano came in. Yeah, she was like the original like tortured uh, kind of person I, I saw in Stardom. So I uh, always drew a line between her and Ishii. Yep. Um, so let's see her go. Um, hopefully she pops up in Seedling. That's that's what I'm rooting for also. Yeah. Um, I just want to see her on big shows. Like, cause it's been a while and you kind of forget after a while, like how good she was, especially because it's like she's wrestling against like this this uh this group of people that like have vastly improved over the last from year to year to year right like Tam Nakano is not the wrestler she was in 2019 2019 Tam Nakano the wrestler she was in 20 to 21 etc cetera, etc cetera. same thing can be said for Azumi same thing can be said for Utami same thing can be said for a lot of them like Kamata- or Kamatani is not and, and Mike are way better wrestlers than they were a year ago so like I, you know, I wonder. So, like looking back on him, he's like, all right, she was great wrestling lesser wrestlers than um, than where they are now. Like, imagine what she could do if she was wrestling adults, like full on adults, like wrestling Nanai and, and everybody else. Like, I, I would love to see it in, in, in Wave as well. Like, so big shows, train people, you know, third from the top, second from the top. That's what I want to see. I want to see big match jungle have more big matches. Yeah, man, for sure. Yeah, but um, I guess yeah, I'll, I'll I'll wrap it up in a second. But like, I want to throw out uh some matches for you guys to check out. So the match I mentioned, that tag match from February of 2020. Um, I want to say July of 2019 tag match for the uh for the tag belts. Uh, Jungle and Konami challenging in her hometown of Nagoya versus. Um, Momo and uh, Utami, I thought she was spectacular in that match as well. Um, her red belt match from July of last year versus Mayu, um, I think it's July 24th. Um, her her white belt title defense against Momo from 2019 in, I think it's early March. Um, that's one of the five or ten best matches I've, ever, I've seen in stardom since we started watching from 2019 to now. Um, 
she's she's a good fucking wrestler. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can also throw in her match with her white belt uh, title challenge against Arissa from August, early August 2019. Um, I don't like that match much to everybody else, but people people think that's that's Arissa's best match. Which I just I just vehemently disagree. I think it's her third best, but whatever. Um, she had a bunch of great matches. She was a great wrestler. Um, high or the Grand Prix match 2019 versus Kagetsu. Um, I thought it was a great storytelling match, but yeah, just a great wrestler and I can't wait to see what she has left for, uh, for us and for her career. Yeah, man. Hopefully she's not finished. Um, I, I would like to at least see some more, um, current jungle. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I guess that's the end of the show. Um, we may do a midweek show. We'll see how this goes. Yeah. We'll see how this goes. I, I'm traveling Thursday, so I'm not sure where that'll fit but um if not we'll be back monday yeah um so yeah that's in the show be sure to rate us on whatever app you're using listen this with um also go to red nation us with a donation um follow the stream uh you can do twitch dot what the hell is the address on this it's like twitch.tv slash rich latta i've been streaming it for mine um, you might catch me playing playing the video game on there or making beats or something before uh, the streams on here. Do you and, ever, uh, do you ever besides besides this time of the of the week, do you ever go on and just like rant on WWE? Or just or only just with me? Um, so like if I'm if I'm playing like Fire Pro or something, maybe mm-hmm. I'll like talk about wrestling. I'll just no, kind of no catch strays then. Huh? Yeah, okay. yeah. I was like, hey, you know, this is what I see on Twitter. This is what's going on. This is some bullshit. Da, 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 and you know, just you know, just, just shoot the shit with whoever's in the chat. Yeah. All right. Um. Also, go to prowrestlingtees.com slash social suplex and pick up some official social suplex network merchandise. Um, and let's see the other shows. Um, besides One Nation Radio, this show you have Keeping a Strong Style, the Rick and Clyde Wrestling Podcast, From and Watch This Shit, The Grave Consequences Podcast, 8 Bit Suplex, All Things Elite, and Great Match Generator. Thanks for listening, y'all. Peace. Later. <laughs>